0: Leslie Moore Dalkey is truly a survivor. She was diagnosed three times with rare cancers from exposure to Agent Orange. She is the author of the inspirational book *The Best Is Yet to Come*. She's also a healthcare advocate and a mo- She's also a healthcare advocate. Boy, I have a hard time saying that today. Okay. <clears throat> She's also a healthcare advocate and a motivational speaker. She lives every day as a gift. Leslie, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm just so delighted to be here with you. So
0: I know there's quite a story here and we got a little sneak peek before I hit record. But would you take us back to the very beginning? You know, were you having symptoms? What was going on in your life and where were you?
1: Well, it was in nineteen ninety and I was um, just doing life i had I was a, a television producer I was doing a lot of sports programming, and one day i wasn't feeling well i just I, I had a pressure in my chest, and I thought perhaps I was having a heart attack. called my doctor and he said, "Can you get in?" and I said, yeah, I think so so he, he did some tests and said, well, you're very anemic. I'd like to have you, and I was having some upset stomach. <laughs> he said, take some Maalox and I'll give you a call. So I said, fine. So the that morning of the Monday, he called me, he said, I'd like to have you see a hematologist. And I said, okay. So I went over and I had that same day, I had a bone scan, CAT scan. And as I was putting on my tennis shoes, at the hospital. I get a call from the hematologist. And he no, not even from my exam. I had just gone in, yeah, and I was putting on my left sneaker. And he said, Hi, this is Dr. Davidson. I said, Oh hi, you know. He said, I need you to go home. We've found something and I need you to check into the hospital tomorrow. And I will call you in about an hour. And that should get you enough time to get home. And I said, oh, okay. So my husband was in the hall and I, he was 6'3", and I ran to him and I said, they want me to check into the hospital tomorrow. They found something. He said, well, I don't don't know what that is. I said, I don't know what that is. Well, so the next morning we, we, we went through every combination that we could possibly have you know, that night i had had a little bit of a stomach that had grown but it was during july june and i thought maybe it was eating too much yogurt too <laughs> much corn on the cob something i thought maybe i just put on, put on a little weight and um so we checked into the hospital and i remember when i checked in to the room i got into my room i immediately went in and threw up and the only thing that came out was blood that was it just a massive amount of blood and i rang the bell and i called the nurse and she i said i just thrown up and she looked in the toilet and she said that you just threw that up i said yeah just she said all right uh instantly instantly she said uh uh, she ran out of the room because i was obviously internally bleeding so um, of course. that scared me and I didn't know what to do. So the next two days were just filled with biopsies. I had a biopsy into my, I had a, this is, I had a mass in my abdomen, which would have been where okay. a baby would have been. So that's why it didn't show. Turned okay. out to be an eight pound liposarcoma that had a vascular system all its eight own. Eight
0: pounds?
1: And it was taking my eight pounds, which is why it didn't show out, because as a woman, we can carry an eight, 10 pound baby. So my surgeon said, um, two surgeons came in and said to my husband and I, uh, we're gonna do surgery tomorrow. It was Friday the <laughs> 13th, by the way. And, <gasps> And he said we've we've found this mass and we're not exactly certain what it is, right. but we need to remove it. And the best thing we're going to do is we're going to resection and we're going to do the very very best we can. And we're we're very confident, that, you know, surgeons. So they left the room and I sat there stunned. And I said to my husband, "What do you think they mean by resection?" He said, "I don't." I don't know. So it was a long, long night waiting to go in. I went into surgery. It was a nine hour surgery. The boys, as I call them, my two wonderful hero surgeons, decided that they would open me up and spread my um, rib cage and remove the tumor by their hands because it was so, it was. On the peritoneal lining so it wasn't attached okay. to an organ so if they spread me open like old-fashioned right yeah. heart uh operations they lifted the tumor out then they resection which means right. remove five of my five of my organs so i Wait. was taken to whoa, whoa, whoa. intensive okay. care Right, okay, so I'm thinking
0: as someone who's missing a lot of organs personally, I, I'm thinking, okay, what can you live without? So did they remove right. the appendix? Yeah, bladder? right. Mm-hmm. No, um, oh, oh, lady parts. No, nope. what the heck did they remove?
1: And everybody thinks okay, well, that's a, that's the well, actually, on my second surgery, which we thought was a recurrence, David, my surgeon came in, he said, don't let anybody ever tell you that you have an appendix because while I was in there, I decided to give you a little party favor and I took out the appendix just for good measure. So in case we never have the problem again. In the
0: first surgery, what did they remove?
1: But when I, well, well, I woke up to find out what the word resection meant and it meant remove. 85% of my stomach was was taken so what i have is those little snack baggies that you put children's little cookies in and stuff that's about the size of my Mm -hmm. tummy then they took the eight pound tumor which isn't an organ so that doesn't count um the tail of my pancreas the spleen my left adrenal and then my second surgery ended up with eight feet of my jejunum which is the top part of my intestine but that was because of adhesion so i woke up in urgent care, i mean urgent care right. in intensive care with things hanging all over me drips i cannot believe they drains
0: care you a little bit more oh
1: they oh my they didn't god they didn't and then a nurse walks in and she says to me, good morning. And I'm thinking, good morning, I don't even know who I am, where I am, or anything. She says, we're gonna get you up this morning. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm
0: thinking. Yay.
1: I'm thinking. I don't How think so. How old are
0: you? How old are you? I can hardly wait.
1: I don't, wanna, I don't wanna give the, 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 the alert away because okay. there's a spoiler alert here. Okay. I was young. I was married three years. So I was I was a newlywed. And this was a major, I right. mean, this life changed, period. So I was in the hospital 28 days. They said, we have to send you home because we have to start chemo. And as you know, there's only a certain leeway that after surgery, they do chemo. So when they discharged me, they said, go home and get ready. i said to my husband what do you think they mean by get ready i don't i don't understand what more could i be doing than getting ready and then i said you don't think they mean get ready to die he said i don't i don't think so but (gasps) yes that's what they they did they gave yeah Mm. oh my gosh and they said and this was after 28 days and five sacrificed organs and so what's the point you know it's like so i thought to myself well no i don't i don't i don't think that i'm that doesn't apply to me my father used to call me ready mix as in hard head like cement and i thought you know i am determined and so four months uh was what they gave me i went through four uh, full-time 24-hour round-the-clock chemo it was chemo in the 20th, 20th century I say and then I had chemo in the 21st century and this past July it will have been 32 years oh
0: my gosh oh my gosh
1: but the interesting so, thing it's a rare sarcoma the I just want to interesting thing um, of...
0: say that again for people
1: because there are
0: 200 different kinds of sarcoma. Not only was it- Most of them are rare.
1: This was, this this one is like 15% and it's a white male 55 to 65 year old um, diagnosis. So uh, my oncologist who I love and adore and had for 23 years, and I just called him yesterday to tell him I was doing this like longer than some <laughs> in hollywood of course um, totally <laughs> <laughs> totally right um he said you know we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get through this so i i never thought to tell him that i had been in vietnam and exposed to agent orange it was were never you a, a question in vietnam so this was an agent No, I was an 18 year old civilian volunteer with the USO and with invitational orders from the United States Army to go during war 1970 for Christmas for 18 days to support our men. Oh my goodness. And the way Agent Orange works is it's a Mm -hmm. 20-year cycle so i went in 1970 1990 was when i was diagnosed i didn't know until 2007 what it was a friend of mine called and she said leslie i think you need to google and i'd already been told by dr sheldon do not google (laughs) leslie or watch (laughs) oprah please (laughs) you're doing my a disservice. Just don't do it. I said, okay. And she said, she was a hospice uh, administrator. She said, I have a man here and he's got exactly what you have. Right. Oh. And he's dying. He's dying. And he was in Vietnam. I said, what? She said, you yeah, look it up. She said, it was Agent Orange. I said, no, you can't. I, I hung up on it. So, I did the research. I found out that at that time there were only seven VA presumptive cancers caused by Agent Orange. Interesting. Now there are twenty-three, wow. but at that time, uh, lipo or sarcomas were number two. So I made up a big thing. I went in to see my doctor, and I said, "Okay, this is this is it." And we held hands and we cried, and we said, "This makes anyway, absolutely sense." The timeline
0: here. So, at this point, the cancer was in remission.
1: There was nothing to be in remission because they removed everything. So, the fact that they removed that tumor right. intact, there were never any floating cells. But they did chemo, okay, and because.
0: You were in you were in chemo, were in chemo so, for four months. So then
1: I went. I was in chemo for four months. I did four courses of one full week a month in the okay. hospital, twenty four seven. What
0: was that? That's like? how they
1: did it then. Mm-hmm. Well, Doctor Davidson said to me, "I, I want to just tell you that one of the drugs we're going to give you more than likely is going to have psychotic events." going to have psychosis what i said what
0: wtf i'm sorry okay what What?"
1: yeah exactly and it was like what he said well he said "It, it you're gonna come more than likely you'll come back from it
0: more than likely
1: but you will yeah more than likely but it's a it's part of the cocktail that we give you and he said um so I, I said to my husband, no one comes mm-hmm. to see me, no one. So um, my cocktail was Mesna, which is to protect the kidneys and then it's a phosphamide. And I told him, oh, horrible drug. And when they came in, the nurse brought the mm-hmm. bottle, the glass bottle in those days. And she said, oh, you're not gonna have anything to worry about, whatever. She dropped it.
0: Oh, and I'm sure. ran
1: from the room. Everyone oh, yeah. ran from, everyone ran from the room. Yeah, and and my tennis shoes that were on the floor were eaten through. Now I'm crying. Now I'm terrified. And it was a $24,000 bottle. He had to get another one. I called Dr. Dr. Sheldon said, I'm right next door. If you need me for anything, you call. I get on the phone. I said, you better come over here, I'm terrified. Now, I was 36 Center years California? old. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, gosh. So he was there in a flash, and he said, what's the matter? And I said, you know, I am, I'm terrified. Everyone ran from the room. Yeah. They all came back in hazmat suits, yeah. and you're putting this in my body. And he said, I'm sorry. Wow. And I said, okay, let's go. Let's get it on. Let's do it so i was uh obviously struggling with eating because there was no stomach so there was no place to put anything so right so anyway i came out of that and then it took me nine months i was in bed nine months because of the surgery was so severe and they had had to cut 36 inches under my my rib cage all the way down and spread me so it was a very long recovery and then after i had recovered about 4 months we found something and we yeah, this were was after sure the was chemotherapy recurrence. so we this was
0: okay oh my goodness.
1: two what years well we had to go in and do the exact same surgery all over again so it turned out to be adhesions wrapped around my intestines which is why they then sacrificed those but it then took two more years to heal they just
0: kept cutting and taking stuff out of you
1: yeah but it it was necessary now now this is the interesting thing at 1992 after it was finished with that I went about my business um not going back to business I could never become a producer again I've I've Written and I've done other things, but I, I, you can imagine uh, problems with eating, nutrition, um, absorption, yeah, pain, can see all pain that. Right now, you're very thin. Yeah, <laughs> put some weight on. i have actually put, I've put, on about ten pounds. Good for I'm you. Very proud of it. Yeah, I was given a prescription by my oncologist about three weeks ago, and she said you must eat french fried onion rings once a week i (laughs) I said what i said are you going to send me a a script for that she said no but you find the best ones you like and once a week you go in and you eat them she said forget about what calories are or what it is fat wise you you just need to put some weight on i said okay so now we jump from 1992 to my friend telling me about it being this is in 2007 and then I just okay
0: 2007
1: so now I start doing research I start becoming the world's best detective when it comes to finding any information uh uncovering stuff I mean I was just blown away and I made a big booklet on where I had been we had we had been what they called a handshaking tour so we were on a helicopter so we went to the Top of the DMZ literally stayed there two or three days, went all the way bottom. We did the whole country in 18 days. So we drank the water, we ate the food, we bathed in everything, we rode in planes that had been doused with Agent Orange, everything. So now in 2010, which is now 20 years to the day, I get another very rare form of cancer. T-cell, LGL, leukemia. Oh my gosh. Now-
0: Agent Orange related. Before you got that official diagnosis, were you having symptoms again? Were you feeling run down or was, what was going on?
1: No, I went in in to see my, just my regular GP for just a a check and everything else. And he did blood and stuff. And he called me and he said, Leslie, There's something funny in your blood. I said, well, okay, funny, uh haha or funny, weird. He said, (laughs) he said, he said, it it appears you have leukemia. I said, what? I have leukemia now? He said, yeah. He said, I'm going to do some more further tests. I'm going to send it over to Dr. Sheldon, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, I don't, I do not get that one at all. So it turns out it was this very rare form of, cause T right. cells are the good happy ones. So they had turned against me. Um, I did start some treatment. I went through, I was by then, I'm now at the city of hope. And I was there for about seven years. So the next year in 2011, I developed its cousin a very rare form of paired T-cell non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. They had never seen it before. It was like yeah, like cousins. Crazy. So I've had now. Uh, let's see. So that's 2011. So I've been. No new cancer since then. I, I like to say that I'm <laughs> I'm a I'm a survivor of all three, but I actively and currently walk around with two. And I call them the Lulus because it's leukemia and lymphoma. So the girls and I, the Lulus, we travel the day. Most of the time I rule the day. So you're Sometimes still living with
0: leukemia lymphoma. So these two very rare types. Oh, yeah. Yes. What was the treatment? Was there any treatment <laughs> that you were given for, for either one?
1: Well, I have not been treated. Yes, I, I've been on several things, several chemos for the leukemia. They've never treated the lymphoma, but I've been treated several times, five or six times. I've had probably five spinal taps, which... If you've ever had one or know of anyone, you, of course mm-hmm. you've heard about them from other guests, but, and when you have very little body fat on you, they're, they're very painful. But they, that's how they keep track every couple of years. I had one last year to see how the leukemia is doing. And it just seems to be level. So I haven't been on any treatment now for about a year and a half, no medicine. Um, I have four obvious lymphoma, um, lymphomas, pump, bumps that are obvious, but we're just watching them, we've not treated them. But one of the interesting things about cancer that they never tell you are all the things that come along with. So that sort of brings you in a long way to what my cancer journey has been um, to this point in the the cancer part.
0: Wow. I love that you did this research and you figured out the cause. Have you connected with other people who have the same or similar cancers? Well, and the same cause?
1: Well, for a very long time, I was the um president of the rare cancer society of sarcomas leukemia and anything t-cell related there was nobody there i would look 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 and there was just no one it was like nothing um i did have a friend of mine who did develop some skin issues that was t-cell involved and he had been in vietnam earlier than i did and he's he's since passed but no, there's it's, there's not a lot of us. And the interesting thing is, is that we yeah. were civilians and we, we did serve, we did go, we didn't wear a uniform, but we did serve our country. And we were given military papers that we were to carry on our person at any given time in case we were right. captured by the enemy and we were given a status of a a general, G7s. And then we were also made federal employees. So in the years since, I have tried to get help and um, have not been successful at all in any recognition as a civilian. Sadly, the the uh, the government is not prepared. No, they denied that I was even there. And at one point, and then they won't even talk to me or let me, uh, they're just not interested because it's one word, veteran. And I do not qualify under any circumstances a veteran. However, I qualify as a federal employee, which I filed a claim three times and sent paperwork off as three or four file boxes of material and the first time they lost both boxes lost them although I had the receipt the second time I sent it I sent it to the Department of Defense in Chicago it had been signed for it was in the building but the building didn't belonged to the department of defense and so they could not go in to oh retrieve God. it
0: our tax dollars <laughs> at work that's all i'm going to say <laughs>
1: <laughs> so if you if you get around to asking me about how the finances of of cancer impact somebody we we i've got some information on that but i think i've chatted a little too long you you've you <laughs> ask me something now
0: Well, can you tell me what was your worst moment to date?
1: I think my worst moment to date was being wheeled into the operating room and terrified.
0: That first time? Because I
1: didn't know. And I have the first time, yeah. And I can see myself on the gurney and i could see my feet underneath the sheet and the doors opening up into this theater of white tile mm. and i was terrified that probably was my worst moment because I, I i didn't know what
0: what, what was, was your coming. best moment
1: every moment that i have mm-hmm. today and yesterday, and at three o'clock today, and hopefully tomorrow. You know, I,
0: I can't remember ever asking this question before, but it just came to me. Do you feel like these experiences have forced you to live in the present?
1: No, it's an interesting thing. I grew up in a really loving family. My parents were unconditionally loving and caring and giving. So I had a really good foundation and I always knew I had a good life. And I would now tell you that I wouldn't even change this experience, that I don't, I think it's made, I've always been hard-headed like my dad said, and and determined, but I don't think it's changed the preciousness that I've always felt about life. Mm.
0: Leslie, what's one thing you wish you had known at the very beginning?
1: I think I would say I would like to have had everybody be a little bit more forthcoming with what happens after you survive. When you're in the process of having cancer and being treated, there's no discussion of long-term survival. So you are so focused. And one of the good things about that is you're going to an appointment, you're doing this, you're doing that. But nobody ever tells you that, oh yeah, we don't really expect you to live five years. So when you live 15 or 20 or whatever it is, this is the list of what you'll have. And that sometimes is more insurmountably difficult than the actual cancer.
0: I know so many people who would agree with you. They would absolutely agree with you. Yeah. If you could only do one thing to improve healthcare in the U S what would it be and why?
1: I would give it back to the medical professionals, doctors and patients. I believe strongly in a patient being an advocate for themselves. No one else is going to speak up for you, but you. Mm -hmm. Doctor works for you. If you don't like one and one doesn't work out, you can get another one. But I would, and I've done that (laughs) several times, I would change it that a doctor who has medical body knowledge make the decision on what we get medicine wise coverage wise um, so it becomes more old world medicine instead of the business of medicine
0: interesting how do you see that happening like how could that work
1: Well, number one, I would take off all advertising on television, mm. radio. Aren't we one of the
0: only Western countries that allows because, that? Yeah, thought so.
1: Yes, yes, and it's yeah. a big push. And then you, I would take away the drug reps who go in with um, suitcases they're, full of. They're not free allowed to give away stuff. And then the doctor pushes. They're not
0: other than educational. Well, right. So they're
1: not. Yes. Yes. But they, they give You're the right. drugs Absolutely. away. And so therefore there's a cabinet of that where the doctor may not have gone on a outing to the golf uh, thing in Hawaii, okay. but they have all those drugs. And now instead of an old school drug that costs maybe four bucks, we'll give you one that costs okay. 700. Yeah. So I would do that. I would take off all advertising. I would make it a more user friendly for the doctor because the doctor's hands are tied many times on what they want to give you and you also as a body know what pain you can have what you can't what you can tolerate and so listening yeah is very important yeah,
0: and I love your answer I love the nuance of your answer and I just really appreciate it because I have a great primary care physician who really knows my medical history but when I see him, he is there with his laptop doing notes the whole time. Oh. And if he has extra time, and yeah, never he'll stop, never can I mean, but and he prescribed a drug, a new drug just this week and I I know that if he had known more about the drug or if he had been paying more attention or had the time, he never would have given it to me because one of the number one
1: let me guess. Yeah. Let me, it, let me guess. When you went to fill it, it was about $400. Oh, no. No, no, no.
0: He is good. He's very good about that. He's actually, oh, okay. Yeah, he's very good okay, that Okay, so way. he's good that
1: way. Okay. But, um, okay, good. Because yeah, no, most doctors don't have a clue good. about the money. But uh,
0: what happened okay. was I immediately started getting a headache. And the number one side effect is headache. Headaches, and then I looked at the actual studies on this drug. Eighty-six percent of people, eighty-six percent, even with if they had no prior history, got migraines. So it it was like, and I have a history of migraines. Yeah, see that. Yeah, I have a history of migraines.
1: Yeah, as as July, we all. Yeah, (laughs) we're
0: not taking it. We're not doing it. it. Yeah.
1: No, no, of course not. And and I think that it's um I think it's a, a learning lesson for the doctors. To be more prepared of what it is that can be effective and helpful to us and then we have to also be smart enough to say no i took that same yep. classification of drug and that didn't work for me or this drug that you're giving me now is not as effective can we try something else and i think that the dialogue needs to go both ways and the doctors need to stop the computering and look up at you and listen to you because that's that's changed in yeah. the last several years. And and I think that's a change in in a in a bad way for the for the health wellness of our of yeah, of folks I like agree. us. I agree
0: and this is not medical advice for anyone listening, but I have gotten in, I've gotten into the habit no, now no. that if I have a bad reaction like that to a drug, I have it listed as an allergy. And that way it will continue on my medical records oh, as I go forward. Yeah. I just, you know, I just have it listed. Absolutely.
1: And and the other the other thing I, I, I wear a bracelet. I, I had to eventually stop it because I would have it engraved. It was a little gold bracelet and it had just so many. My jeweler said, There are no characters left on this bracelet to fill in. I can't. There's just too many things. So now they have the the ones that go into the computer but i i suggest that people get very familiar and very friendly yes, with their pharmacists. Pharmacists are so helpful and they will come and they'll say now you took something like this before and it's in the semi category and i don't I think agree. you should take it. And or or I'll, yeah it's just so, and it, um, know, so it's important. And you know it's interesting
0: when when doctors talk about multidisciplinary teams nobody includes the pharmacist. And it's like that person oh, is oh, a member of your no. team, even if they don't work at your hospital or whatever, even if they're at walgreens or c v s they're so, actually
1: okay. they're the, the guideline, really they're they're sort yeah. of the the watchdog of it all because they're the ones that, that get the alarm or know something and, and and no, they're never included well,
0: Leslie, such a story, oh my goodness. Um, are you ready though to lighten things up and do the Thriver rapid fire questions?
1: Oh, okay. absolutely! I love that part. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see.
0: Beach, <laughs> desert,
1: or mountains? I'm a combination: mountains and desert because I live at the base of a beautiful mountain range. So high desert, desert, isn't
0: that what that they actually call it? High, high, yeah.
1: Yes. Well, no, high desert is, it, we're at 4,000 feet elevation, 38. So we're high, but the other high desert right. is more in California and the white, white mountains. Beach
0: boys, beetles, or rolling stones?
1: Beatles. What is
0: one word that best describes you?
1: Graceful. And
0: before you die, what is the last song you want to hear?
1: This song's for you by Donny Hathaway.
0: And the last meal you want to eat.
1: Anything I don't prepare, <laughs> but primarily. <laughs> Rare roast, uh, rib of, of, uh, beef a wedge salad with real blue cheese and a baked potato. And if I'm going to have my last meal, I'll have a glass of wine because I don't drink because of, you know, obvious reasons. What
0: about the last person or people you want to see?
1: David, with his twinkling eyes looking into mine. No, that's my very dear partner and companion and love.
0: How long have you been together?
1: About eight years.
0: That's wonderful. And what will be the last words you will speak?
1: This has been a wonderful journey.
0: And aside from Cancer you, what's one resource you would recommend for cancer patients and caregivers? And I want you to tell people how they can get in touch with you.
1: Okay. I would say the best one would be yourself because you can do research, but don't do the Google and only get one answer <laughs> and then stop. But I would say that there's so many good resources. Cancer U is one of them. I think that people find their own way of dealing. Uh, I happen to be, inspirational and believe in the positive thinking. And so I have written a book called The Best is Yet to Come, a story of inspiration of life and joy. And they can get that at my website, which is L-E-S-L-I-S-S. T O R Y dot com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. And I have a documentary that I'm very proud of that's on YouTube called Leslie's Story A Loss of oh Innocence. Oh
0: gosh, that's amazing! So we will make sure we link to yeah. all that. I can't wait to see the documentary. So we'll put that in the show notes and the workshop notes. Leslie,
1: and that's very, very, no, go ahead. Very, I'm sorry. Uh, I was gonna that's it's um really about the whole Vietnam uh s- situation so that's kind of kind of uh very interesting on that point because it's, it's a part of history that we've yeah. all lost
0: Leslie thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story it's it's incredible and and you're just oh. amazing
1: Oh, thank you so very much. I'm so proud to be here, and I'm so proud to find a new audience, and and I'm thrilled with what you're doing and the message that you're bringing to so many people of great hope and encouragement, and I thank you for having me.
0: You're very, very welcome. Thank you.